Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. Before we begin, this podcast is possible by our sponsor at Ambire. The Ambire wallet is one of the top products in crypto asset management. It is the first open source, non-custodial smart wallet that delivers exceptional user experience combined with solid security. With Ambire wallet, users can easily navigate the world of Web3. It comes packed with features like built-in swaps, cross-chain bridges, integrated earning opportunities, and more. In addition, Ambire offers things like human-readable transaction parsing, eliminating ERC-20 approvals and front-running protection. The smart wallet uses gas abstractions that allow for unique features like paying for gas with stable coins. Users can batch multiple transactions to save time and gas fees. The wallet also supports NFTs and allows you to connect to any dApp via Wallet Connect. You can use it with an email and password or add hardware wallets or hot wallets as signers to upgrade your security. And the best part? Ambire speaks human. The UI is friendly and informative, ensuring you understand what you're doing and eliminating risks for mistakes. Ambire wallet users are currently eligible for continuous wallet token rewards. To learn more and get your Ambire account today, visit www.ambire.com. That is A-M-B-I-R-E.com. Before I introduce our guest today, I have a couple of brief updates for our community. We restream each episode on Twitter Spaces the day before publishing it on all of our podcast distribution channels. Our Twitter handle is Recorded Podcast. Come join us. We also have a new NFT program with Blockchain Recorded Community NFTs. These can be claimed from our webpage, blockchainrecorded.com. So visit our website and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for new cool updates and potential airdrops. And without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce to us today two guests. We are today talking about a project called Glow. Our first guest is Jeff Milowski, the co-founder and CEO of Glow. Previously, he was a research director and instructor of fintech at Creighton University. He also taught courses in economics, finance, and blockchain technology. Jeff, welcome to Blockchain Recorded. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. And our second guest is Jasper Driesens. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Also a co-founder and the CMO at Glow. Jasper's background is in computer science and AI, but he shifted towards marketing with a focus on fintech and crypto. Jasper, welcome to Blockchain Recorded. Thanks so much and uh, splendid pronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Well, it's great to have you guys here. I've uh, researched your project a bit and we uh, we also talked a bit beforehand. Uh, let's just dive in. And firstly, the usual question is what brought you to the world of crypto and blockchain? So whoever wants to go first, feel free. Sure, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I think it was more my background with economics and interest in finance and technology. Crypto was just this interesting space for me to explore. Um, I got involved looking at it as an investment, um, started teaching it at the academic level, and just found it a fascinating kind of new space to experiment in and really explore how the technology could have a big impact in the world. So just a lot of curiosity. There was, it was nothing more than just um, kind of chasing a curious bug and, and look for ways to innovate and make a big impact. Mm -hmm. Great. 
Jasper, what about you? Yeah, for me, as a computer science student, uh, I heard about Bitcoin, I think, back in like 2012. Um, I thought it was interesting technologically, but at that point in my life, I had concluded that money was just not an interesting subject. Uh, I thought it was just a means and never an end. So I didn't really look into it much more than that um, until things started grabbing my attention much, much later, I think uh, around 2020. Around that time, I had been in fintech for a couple years. And um, yeah, if you're in a space for long enough, things start to get interesting, even if you didn't think they were. (laughs) (laughs) So around that time, I actually thought, huh, wait a minute, there's more to money than I thought. Um, It's actually quite interesting. And then uh, I fell down the crypto rabbit hole and started rethinking concepts like value and ownership and property rights and stuff like that. Um, so that's uh, that's how I got reintroduced to crypto. Yeah, in 2020 was uh, quite a turbulent year. So lots of well, roller coaster news happening, which brings me actually to the question. So what was the ignition factor in founding Glow? I mean, we all we all in the end want to end world poverty, which is what your project's about. But only a few actually commit to it in a truly humanitarian capacity. In one's sort of, I would actually argue, one's capitalism with with models uh, in terms of monetization are meshed in, it sort of loses its credibility and people people lose trust. So what made you found Glow? Yeah, I can kind of provide some context around it. Back in summer of 2021, I met Sid Sabrandi. He's the co-founder and CEO of GitLab. Sid originally donated $10 million to give directly and give directly does direct cash transfers to lift people out of extreme poverty. That was a big donation, really impactful to people who received those funds. But then ideas around, you know, $10 million goes a long way for a specific group of people. How do you think about solving extreme poverty and making a big, big change throughout this really kind of inhumane, big problem throughout the world? Um, So donations wouldn't cut it. And uh, there has to be a mechanism of basic income generation that potentially could have a multi-multi-billion dollar type of impact. So that summer, I met Sid, uh, started on a white paper with the original ideas around using cryptocurrency uh, for basic income generation. Um, I was just hired as an early consultant, joined as the CEO to kind of build a company and startup around the idea. And we just took it from there in terms of hiring CTO and CMO, Jasper here, to really kind of build a team, shape the idea, and kind of innovate in the space to where if we can build a scalable model that generates basic income, we can have a big impact in the the extreme poverty type of world. And um, yeah, it's kind of looking at the lens of, you know, what kind of scalable solutions are out there. The crypto stablecoin world is a possible area where we could provide a lot of, you know, good at the same time, it's a big enough market and that the tool of crypto could be scaled to a very large amount to make a, a large impact in the extreme poverty kind of issue. So, yeah, it's it's really motivating to think about how we started it. And we're up to a team of 11 people now and, and working on getting our, our project launched. So so in short, Glow is a new stablecoin or will be a new stablecoin that provides basic income to people living in extreme poverty. Did I capture that correctly? Yeah, I, I think there are, there are two ways to think about Glow. So we call the 
we call our, our, ourselves, we call ourselves Glow. The thing we're going to launch is the Glow Dollar. Mm-hmm. And if people from outside of crypto ask me what it is, I say something like the Glow Dollar is basically a dollar, but then imagine a new version of the dollar that has uh, philanthropy embedded into it in the sense that, you know, it's a dollar like any other US dollar, except if you go for this dollar, then uh, it generates basic income for people in extreme poverty on your behalf at no cost. Now that's sort of like the high level explanation that sounds amazing, but also a bit like magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I know that I'm talking to someone who's in crypto, I can, you know, dig deeper a little bit. And then the explanation is, well, the glow dollar is a stable coin that is fully backed. So that means it's just like uh, circles USDC or tethers USDT. And because it's fully backed, like for every glow dollar out there, we will have a reserve uh, of like real dollar assets of the same value. And these are not all going to just be dollars sitting on a bank account. A part of those are going to be government bonds, which means that we'll make money from these government bonds. And that money is going to go to people in extreme poverty. So if you hold the stable coin, then because you hold it, we generate money and that money goes to people in extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned extreme poverty. Let's paint sort of the macro picture of extreme poverty and basic income in general, meaning what is the definition of extreme poverty exactly? Um, just to sort of, just to, just to clarify this, because well, my understanding is that it not only relates to income, but it can also be a lack of access to basic human needs, right? But furthermore, since we're talking about extreme poverty, it would be great to define what um, extreme poverty really, really means. Yeah. So extreme poverty is a, is a definition um, set by the, uh, I believe, uh, IMF. Mm-hmm. And technically it means if you live on less than $2.15 per day, then you are in extreme poverty. Mm. Now, that is, of course, a little bit arbitrary. I mean, if you live on $2.16 per day, your life is not going to be much different. But yeah, the IMF defined several levels of poverty and they have to sort of draw a line. um, And this is the the worst kind of poverty. And they they drew a line at Mm $2.15. And um, yeah, that means you are suffering from the absolute worst kind of poverty that we uh, have going on on this on this planet. Yeah, and I would imagine that there's you're primarily targeting also African countries to start with. Can you shed some light there? Um, I think on your on your website you talk about Liberia and Kenya. Yeah, so extreme poverty is of course uh, not just in Africa, right? But um, you know we have to start somewhere, and you know what's good to know is that yes, we are building a coin that generates basic income for people in extreme poverty. We are not actually distributing distributing that that money ourselves. Um, we are uh, actually, you could say, layering on top of an already existing NGO called Gift Directly. So Gift Directly has nothing to do with crypto. They are just an NGO that you know collects donations and then turns those donations into basic incomes, and they are mostly working in countries like Liberia, Kenya, Nigeria, etc. And, you know, they're, they're growing. They're the fastest growing NGO on the planet. So um, they are frequently expanding to other countries. 
but these are the countries that they're working in right now. So we're just going to actually just donate money to them. And, and, and they are working in, in, in mostly African countries right now for the basic income programs. Mm -hmm. So you are proposing to use basic income to reduce extreme poverty. And I just wanted to, to clear this up a bit. What, if anything, does the concept that you're talking about have to do with the universal basic income that a conversation that we've been more likely, I mean, people have heard about it over the last decade more and more so. Does it have anything to do with it? And yeah, if I guess if you can clarify the difference between the two concepts. Yeah, good question. In a way, they are the same. So when we talk about UBI in the public debate, often people are talking about a no strings attached income in uh, wealthy countries like the US mm -hmm. um, that gives you an income that is like up to living standards. So then often people are talking about an income of like $1,000 a month or like $1,500 a month. And key there is that it's no strings attached. So you get it regardless of your actual income. If you have an amazing job, you get it. If you are out of work, you still get it. The big difference here is that when we're talking about basic income, we, we mean a basic income just for people in extreme poverty. It's the same in that it's no strings attached. So people don't have to do anything specifically to get it, but it's very different in its size. So we're talking about basic incomes of like 35 to $40 a month, which is of course very different than a $1,000 a month UBI in, for instance, the US. And, um, you know, let's let's be clear, like if you if you live in extreme poverty, you get a basic income of like thirty five dollars a month. Mm -hmm. You are still living in poverty, but you're lifted out of this extreme poverty situation. So you can you can get your life to the next step, basically. Right. I'm sure you get this question a lot. You know, it, this is a humanitarian sort of endeavor and, and no strings attached the first thing I think of is that the immediate fear is that once people in extreme poverty or once someone gets money, they are more likely to spend it on the wrong things or, or don't know how to handle it. Is there, with your model, is there sort of a, or I would call it a carrot and stick kind of situation where recipients who are eligible, like do, do they have to behave or or do a certain set of, I don't know, or obey in terms of rules or expectations? Um, I mean, you just kind of actually mentioned before that there's no strings attached, but still, would there be a carrot and stick kind of situation or it's truly just no strings attached? And how do you answer the question of how would they be spending the money or the fear that they would spend it the wrong way? Yeah. And just to clarify, it's Give Directly that we'll be donating money to. And mm -hmm. they have several years of the process of cash transfers and giving mo people money. And they found that people spend money on, you know, not all the time, but like most of the time, substantially, like most of the time on their basic needs, on things that are actually going to help them improve their lives. Um, I don't have all the details, but they have really good research uh, around how money is spent. And we, we like Give Directly because they're so transparent. They provide a lot of this impact reporting. They do actual like solid economic research around the impact of a certain group of people. If they increase their income, does it lead to growth in the region? How does it have an effect on other parts of the country? All that stuff is is being worked on in a very diligent way, and we're not involved in that. We're not building that that expertise, but um, we just really trust their process, and they have a lot of room to grow, and we think we can support that. Mm -hmm. And I think from a more like philosophical perspective, like traditionally when when people think of development aid, I think a lot of stereotypical 
things that come up are like food programs where basically the countries that provide the aid also decide what's the best kind of aid. So whether that's like food or cattle or like building schools. And the key idea here is that if you just give money, then people probably know better than you, the giver do, what they need. And also it's probably going to kind of be different from uh, village to village, from family to family and from individual to individual. So if you give money instead of anything else, then A, you know, it's, it's, it's more worthy because you just give people the responsibility to do what they think is best. B, it's probably going to be more efficient because, you know, one family might spend it on cattle and the other might spend it on education for their children, etc. So that's, that's sort of like the, mm-hmm. yeah, some people think it's a revolutionary idea. I think if you think about it, it's, it's not that revolutionary at all. It kind, kind of makes sense. But that is, of course, the expectation. And then once you actually do it, then it turns out that so far the results are just good. That indeed most people are spending it on, you know, what we would call wise things and, um, and, and actually doing things that are, that are improving their, their lives. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, l- let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about the glow dollar. Um, and actually, before I would ask you to just maybe clarify the basic solution step by step, as far as I understand, you're actually in a rebranding process. Am I am, am I correct with that? Before you were or you're now just called simply Glow or how exactly was this rebranding or what was the reasoning behind the rebranding? Was it confusing with the universal basic income, et cetera? Yeah, good question. Um, so. Our name first was Global Income Coin, mm-hmm. and that name came from our initial idea, was, which was quite different than what we're going to talk about in this podcast and what we're actually going to do. Initially, we wanted to do something completely else, not no stable coin, mm. no gift directly. We, we had this much more esoteric idea of creating an all new currency, not backed to any real world currency, and then um, getting everyone in the world onboarded on this crypto payment platform, which was honestly quite wild. And also, you know, as we researched that more and more and more, figured that it would be very complicated, very low probability of succeeding, very unstable. So, you know, at some point we, 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 we just came up with this better idea. But at that point, the name Global Income Coin just wasn't accurate anymore. Like we're not going for a global income. We're just focusing on people in extreme poverty. It's not a global coin. We're building the glow dollar. And in the future, we might have the glow euro or the glow Swedish crown or what have you. Um, so we're also not not planning to to get everyone in the world on this single currency or whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so so basically we... we you got to start somewhere. Yeah, we have, we have a much more practical plan now and, and one that we think has a far higher probability of succeeding. It's also much less controversial. And, and the name Global Income Coin just wasn't accurate anymore. But we did like, so even even when we were calling ourselves Global Income Coin, we often would short, shorten it to Glow because Glow just sounds nice as a, as, a, as a currency. You could say, hey, can you pay me in Glow or can you send me five Glow? Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to get rid of Global Income Coin, but keep the Glow. Yeah, it's got a nice ring to it, short and sweet. Yeah, and one of the motivations too around the transition to the stablecoin model is is early adoption. It's, it's around trust and you know getting people to use a new form of money. It has to be stable and be an analog to what they currently use. So we think this is a good 
model to actually get adoption, people using it and growing its market cap to make an impact. So I'll actually pick your brain on that in terms of the stablecoin market and what the challenges are. But but maybe before we do that, can you take us through one of you guys, if you can take us through so the basic glow solution step by step for the listener to, to really understand how your model works? Mm hmm. So let's say you're an individual and you want to do something to contribute to the reduction of extreme poverty. One thing you could do, and I encourage everyone to do it, is if you have money to donate, donating it to give directly. That is the most direct and easy way to, to reduce extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. But you know, generally speaking, we most money we have, we don't donate. Um, in the US, uh, the average household donates about like 2% of their of their income, which means that 98% of money is money that we don't donate. Mm. So let's say you listen are listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, so Glow is a an additional way for me to contribute to basic income reduction. Then what you can do once we're alive is let's say you have a thousand dollars sitting on a bank account, your rainy day savings mm -hmm. for when your dishwasher breaks down, <laughs> you send it to us. And then we will send you back a thousand glow dollars. So you send a thousand US dollars, we send you a thousand glow dollars. At any point in time, you can uh, redeem that, you can reverse that. So you send, send us back the thousand glow dollars and we send you back your thousand real dollars. But as long as you don't do that, then we will keep your thousand real dollars, but we'll actually invest a part of these into very low risk US government bonds. And these we can always sell. So, you know, once you knock on our door, hey, I want my money back, we'll sell the government bonds, you get your money back. But in the meantime, we get a little bit of yield from these government bonds called T-bills. Right now, that yield is about 4% per year. So with your thousand glow dollars, that means that we're making about $40 a year. And that is money we donate to give directly. And that means that the interesting thing now is that you know, before you bought Glow Dollars, you owned a thousand dollars in savings, and then when you buy a thousand Glow Dollars, then you still own a thousand dollars. But someone on the end, other end of the world is now getting a basic income because of you, and you are not losing any money in this process. So this is basically a form of philanthropy that you are participating in, that doesn't cost you any money. So you're you're contributing financially to a charitable cause, but you're not donating money. And that's how it works. Okay. So a little a little of a challenge here. Given So given the current inflation crisis and high energy prices in the EU, for example, and recession talks, just as a layperson, maybe a layperson may be hesitant in sending 1,000 USD to GLOW, uh, given the, the fact that the value is just worth less and less given inflationary times. What are your thoughts there? How does this impact um, what you guys are doing? Or are you even having this conversation? So you're referring to if I hold cash, it loses value over time, the purchasing power of it? Yes. Yeah, that, that's true. Yes. And I think if you think of you know money in your checking account, current interest rates on checking accounts are, are very low. They haven't really caught up with the interest rate increases. So it's, it's similar to that. It's basically, okay, this is liquid cash I need on hand. I think Glow could play a, a role in that type of space. There's also the potential for, um, I'm going to be careful here because the, the crypto markets and the, the decentralized finance world is a little shaky right now, but using Glow within 
protocols and savings instruments to where you can earn interest on your actual Glow holdings. And we've seen that with USDC and other types of stable coins. So there is the possibility to where you can maintain the purchasing power holding your savings in Glow. Um, it's just, it's mostly done through the crypto infrastructure rather than the traditional banking infrastructure at the current moment. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but uh, it's something I think will be solved as this crypto economy becomes more mature and, and we have ways to utilize a stable coin in terms of our savings and investing in, in that type of uh, situation. But um, yeah, good question. I think it's uh, it's one of those, we're not expecting people to put all their money into Glow and just let the purchasing power go away. It's more about the liquid capital. And I think there's a world in the future where a stable coin that is basically just another form of a dollar, just like a checking account is a form of a dollar, right. can be used in payments and a lot of different areas where it's very accessible and, and useful to have and on your balance sheet or just available to spend. Yeah. So maybe I can add to that. I think the question you're asking is about opportunity cost a little bit. So mm -hmm. the answer depends on what you were doing with those dollars before you bought Glow. Yeah, to begin with. Yeah, exactly. If you had them in your savings account at first and you're actually getting some yield on them, then if you switch to Glow dollars, you are losing that yield, right? So you, you could say that you're still donating money. You're just donating your savings interest. So in that sense, it's 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 an opportunity cost. There are two other options. The other option is you are someone that was using stable coins uh, already. So you're already u holding these dollars in the form of USDC. Maybe maybe you're a DAO that is that has a treasury full of USDC. Well, if you convert it to Glow dollars, there's no opportunity cost. Like you weren't getting a yield at first, and you won't be getting a yield after you switch to Glow dollars. But you are now having that social impact. And the third option is what Jeff is referring to, is what if your checking account becomes Glow? And that, of course, is a bit farther into the future because that would require Glow to be a means of exchange. But that might actually be closer than it sounds. So as an example, Revolut, the UK bank, they are going to offer a crypto-backed debit card to their UK customers. And they're listing 100 cryptocurrencies, which means that as that thing launches, you will be able to buy your milk with a card that on the back end is actually spending your Dogecoin or whatever. Right. That could be Glow. That could be Glow. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Thanks for clarifying that. That was actually, um, yeah, very helpful. Um, j just curious. So why why just for now, or is this just a for now for now um, solution? Why U.S. government bonds, for example, like the T bills? Why not EU bonds? Or okay, maybe that I kind of know what the answer to that question would be, but or maybe a selected basket of of, of like a, another world's sort of best low risk assets. Why simply just are are you limited to just the the, the T bills, the U.S. T bills, or would this eventually be also extended to other instruments? I was just going to, yeah, the simple answer is since we're denominating the stable coin in dollars, you'd want the, the fiat assets supporting it to be in the same currency. So you don't have currency risk and fluctuations in those values. Also, we're setting up as a US entity. We're initially going to have US customers and um, US government bonds. The markets are the most liquid. Uh, it's a very trusted, highly rated bond. So it's about building that trust early on. But yeah, if, if we choose to expand into other versions of the stable coin, we'd want the government debt to match the actual denomination of the currency. Okay. 
Okay. And 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 the 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 underlying idea here is that you know, yes, our mission is to lift as many people out of extreme poverty as possible. So in that sense, we want to maximize our yield, but even more like the, our highest priority is defending the stability of the stablecoin. So if we have to make that trade-off between yield and stability, we will always go for stability. And that is why we want to invest in an asset that we know is almost certain to retain its value in the denomination. The Blockchain Recorded Podcast is a media partner with the Stronger Together Challenge Initiative. Our collaborative role extends to hosting topic-specific panels to facilitate discussion and perspectives within varying industries related to the Web3 space. Let us have a few words with Laurent Perello, the initiative founder. Laurent, what is the Stronger Together Challenge Initiative? First, we have to mention that it's an ecosystem initiative. In other words, a voluntary movement encompassing leading partners and projects of the Tron and BitTorrent chain ecosystem. What are the main goals of this initiative? The main goal is to demonstrate the powerful together effect. As I used to say, together is much more than a word. It's, uh, it's magic. We aim to show to the world crypto industry and beyond that the Web3 revolution is not about competition, but rather about cooperation. You know, we are really supportive, welcoming, open-minded and inclusive. It's not a marketing speech. This initiative is also a way to confirm our long-term commitment, regardless of the bear or bull market situation and our determination to keep on building every day, guided by a long-term vision and a humanistic philosophy. Thanks, Laurent, for illustrating what Stronger Together stands for. Season one of the initiative successfully ended, while season two is planned to start in December. Let me also mention that panels will be celebrated by NFT airdrops. Stay tuned for further updates. So who do you hope, in essence, would adopt and use the Glow Dollar and why? Yeah, so, well, one interesting figure to, to mention maybe is that it depends a little bit on the interest rate, but on average, we expect that every $17,000 of Glow, so one seven thousand, mm-hmm. that is enough to lift one person out of poverty. And, and I'm, I'm talking in terms of market cap. So the Glow Dollar, this is a thing I like to say, the glow dollar is a cryptocurrency of which the market cap is uh, inversely related to extreme poverty. So if our market cap goes up, extreme poverty goes down. And in principle, like anyone that could contribute to that market cap, I'm happy with. And that could be someone that is already using stable coins or basically anyone who uses dollars. So you can think about, well, I mentioned DAOs just now. DAOs, I think, are an interesting one to take one DAO as an example, we have the ENS DAO, that's the, the DAO uh, governing the uh, .eth uh, domain names. They have a treasury that contains 2.5 million of USDC. If they would convert that to dollars, for them, practically speaking, nothing would change. Mm-hmm. They still have a fully backed, dollar-backed stablecoin in their treasury, uh, $2.5 million. But with this switch, they would be lifting 140 people out of extreme poverty for the time that they hold that money. Mm-hmm. So it's free social impact for this DAO, basically. For them, nothing changes, but now they're they're improving the world, uh, basically. That's a DAO. Um, could be a household with savings. Could be a trader that is using stable coins to you know, swap between other crypto assets. I, I expect like um, the, the, the type of person that is trying to live a bit more consciously. So 
perhaps trying to eat less meat or drive electric or fly less, mm. like making these small changes in their daily life to, you know, be a bit more conscious about their impact in the world. Trying to convert some money into Glow could be one of these things, basically. Fair enough. There's also, yeah, so a lot of these, so in the decentralized finance world, protocols, say like a lending protocol, we would like to have Glow what the products are denominated in. So currently you see a lot of Tether and USDC. There's no reason why Glow can't mm-hmm. be what a loan is denominated in or some type of trading pair is actually paired with Glow rather than USDT or another type of stable coin. So there's infrastructure layer type of demand that we think we can start to capture over time. And I think that would lead to quite a bit of market cap growth because that's going to push people to like, oh, if I want to participate in this DeFi protocol or this service that uses money and they're denominating the product in Glow, I have to go buy some Glow to be able to use that type of product. So ultimately, that's going to create a, a good feedback loop and get adoption growing. Great. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to actually, yeah, I'd, I'd like to um, to tackle more about the technicals of how your project is set up or the, how the stablecoin works. But but before, just, just quickly, you mentioned the Give Directly charity. And my question is then from the Give Directly charity, how would the recipients receive the yields in real life? As in many maybe don't have a mobile phone or internet access and would they need a wallet or a mobile phone? How are these funds then distributed in terms of the recipients on the other end? So there, there might be some exceptions, but as far as I'm aware, GiveDirectly almost always distributes these payments through uh, mobile money uh, uh, platforms. So these are, I think the, the, the most well-known one is M-Pesa. Okay. And as far as I understand it, that's a platform where you can basically send and receive money through text messages. Yeah. So you do have to have a cell phone, but it doesn't need to be a smartphone mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to have an internet connection. And these are actually fairly well used there. I'm not an expert, but but I I, I, I think that that is almost always how, how GiveDirectly is, um, is reaching these people in terms of how to send money to them. Yeah, and we'll be donating fiat dollars, so it's they won't be actually donating the stablecoin. It's whatever's in their local currency. Okay, let's dive deeper into the technicals. Or actually, also, Jeff, you mentioned, you alluded a little bit before about the trust factor. So the stablecoin market has certainly gone through sort of its roller coaster <laughs> uh, ups and downs. Uh, we've all heard of, of the Luna fiasco and <laughs> among others. What are the challenges in, in launching in a stablecoin market? given, I, I would imagine that trust and perception are, are high up there, despite the fact that you actually, as I understand, you're a nonprofit. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, fundamentally, the challenges are around the regulatory space and making sure we're compliant and launching in a way that people will trust you early on before you have a large, substantial market cap for people to look at in the world. So the goal is we want to do everything the right way at the beginning. And we're setting up a nonprofit structure, which I think is really important for the trust component in terms of none of the leadership is going to get pre-mine allocation or have any incentive to be risky with um, reserve funds. We don't have that profit motive to seek out additional yield. It's it's all around the donation and, and the basic income generation. So I think that's an initial step is nonprofit. It should be a more trusted organization if we're going to have a centralized type of stablecoin issuer. Now, the the issuance, the minting and the redemption component, we're using trusted partners in this space early on. So Prime Trust is going to be our custodial API layer on the back end. Um, that's, they're very trusted in the, the crypto economy and, and in that space. Uh, I think we're we're going through all the details around compliance, AML, making sure 
that you know the customers are are trusted. The, the partnerships with exchanges are are coming from trusted positions, um, going through proof of reserve type of uh, due diligence. All that's a really important aspect of this, and it's it's not something where you just quickly launch and get the product out there, test it, and break things. You have to be really um, thorough in how you set it up at the beginning. And we want people to think of this as I'm going to give an organization money, and I, I trust them to be able to redeem it and then pursue this mission. All those things have to be in line for creating the right messaging and making sure people will uh, want to participate and, and join the movement here. So yeah, happy to dig into any details too you're, you're curious about. Happy to dig into any of those Sorry. details too, if you're curious. Uh, please do. I, I was I was actually going to go and, and pick your brain on, I guess, sort of the, the blockchain tech part of it. Sure. Yeah, take us through whatever you can share. Yeah. So with the, we're, it's a standard ERC twenty implementation of a stablecoin. Okay. We're launching on Ethereum first, then Polygon quickly after. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy on the tech side with the stablecoin. It's 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 standard ERC twenty. So we're not reinventing anything there. We're doing our due diligence on having it audited. We're using Certtech as an auditor. Uh, we've got a lot of good feedback from them. Uh, we think the actual blockchain implementation is is very solid and and can be totally trusted. We'll explore more blockchains in the future, but we're focusing on you know the big ones that people really trust as reliable. But also, we like Polygon because of the scalability, and we see a lot of other companies and developers build on that as well. So it's we're not going to try to push the envelope in any space for any reason. We want to use what's um, tried and tested. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of technical innovation here. It's it's basically a very low risk type of path we're taking. Yeah, and I think what's funny is that when you trust a stablecoin, you know, it, it seems um, you you start thinking about the the, the the smart contract aspect, like how secure is, are the smart contracts. That's actually not the most interesting part because that is you know unless you do crazy stuff, that is like Jeff saying like. That's 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 kind of like standard procedure right now. Like if you trust a stablecoin, what you should ask more is the reserve aspect. So you know you have these tokens floating around on the blockchain. That's all good and fine, and and you can and you can audit the the, the smart contracts. But that doesn't mean that for every token out there, there's an actual dollar in an actual reserve in the real world. And that is like the off-chain aspect, and that's actually much more risky in, in my opinion when you're trying to trust a, a stable coin yeah no for sure i mean i think we we've all witnessed what's been going on not just in terms of okay, this is not a stable coin but yeah in terms of when the problem of reserves <laughs> with the fdx fiasco but but surely and this actually leads me to 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 my next question in terms of the usd peg uh on your website you guys say that Glow is a fully backed stablecoin pegged to the U.S. dollar. So, how do you handle the USD peg, and what exactly what exactly does that mean in the back? Yeah. So, what that means on a high level is that anyone that has these tokens, Glow dollar tokens, can trust that a year from now, ten years from now, a month from now, every one of these tokens is still worth a dollar, meaning that they can either purchase something worth a dollar with these tokens or get the actual dollar back. And how we make sure that that's the case is that, you know, we have this off-chain reserve, which is a treasury with either literal US dollars on bank accounts or three month maturity treasury bills worth a dollar. And in accounting 
these things are so low risk that they are uh, categorized as cash and cash equivalents. So we will only have cash and cash equivalents. Mm -hmm. And when you knock on a door and you have glow dollars, you can get your real dollars back. I'm oversimplifying this a little bit because most people will actually not interact with us directly, but with a crypto exchange. So there might be one step in between where you knock on the door of the crypto exchange to get your dollars back. And then the crypto exchange knocks on our door to get the dollar back. And in very stressful situations, there might be a delay there. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do you know everything we can to make sure that that delay does not does not happen. So we're gonna make sure that a part of our reserve is like actual cash and not these treasuries. Um, but in theory, there could be a delay. But but the fact that there is a dollar or a government bond worth a dollar in our reserve. That is what ultimately defends this pack. And it could be the case that on some decentralized exchanges due to trading and arbitrageurs, like maybe the glow dollar trades a little bit above or a little bit below their $1.00 value on that exchange. Mm -hmm. But that should never be a situation for quite long, because if that's true, then you know someone is going to take the opportunity to buy the glow dollar for a little bit cheaper than a dollar, then knock on our door to get an actual dollar, and then make a profit. So that is how we all defend it back. And this sounds all very complicated, but this is literally what Circle is doing with USDC. So we are not reinventing the wheel. We're just pretty much copy-pasting their business model. Yeah, and fundamentally, we're only in control of the minting and redeeming. So what it trades for on an exchange, that's all through what Jasper is explaining is the arbitrage mechanism of if I can mint and redeem for a dollar always with us, then I can trade against any price deviation in the markets. So if you look at the timeline of what the price of a USDC or Tether stablecoin is, you'll see it fluctuates slightly over time. It's basically because you know, different buy orders and sell orders might create small fractions of a penny type of fluctuations. But yeah, we're fundamentally not going to have any influence on the exchanges or where they actually trade in open markets. It's all about us controlling that minting and redeeming. And the whole trust issues all around. If someone comes to us, wants their real money back, can we deliver it? Can we deliver it fast? So we'll be really, really you know, stringent and make sure we're really focusing on liquidity. And that's why we talk about short-term treasuries, highly liquid markets, things that can be transferred into cash very readily. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of this crisis moment in crypto is like the liquidity to try it up. And the assets might be there, but you can't turn it into something that people want. So we'll be really focused on that. Right, right. J just to clarify, is your Glow Dollar distribution protocol plan, so it's all going to be on chain? No, it's, it's, we'll have a, on our website, a platform where people can sign up for an account. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, it'll be US entities. So businesses will be able to sign up to buy Glow directly from us or redeem it directly from us. And then we see a world where the broader public will be accessing Glow with exchanges and payment providers. Uh, we might later on implement direct individual platform accounts, but right now we're starting with the the US entity type of structure. Yeah, so it's 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 not your maker DAO type of stablecoin implementation. It's a definitely a centralized circle type of implementation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are challenges around making sure people trust the centralized versus decentralized. And I think the nonprofit and our governance structure is one of those aspects that lets people say like, okay, we, we trust the organization, the decisions in the organization because they don't have the incentives to be risky or not be secure in how they manage funds and do those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that's good to to just 
blanket clarify for everyone listening. Right. This is a total nonprofit. So like the, the only people making money here are obviously the people who receive the basic income. And we have employees and they get salaries. Nothing out of the ordinary salaries that you would expect in a uh, tech company. That money comes from separate donors. So right now that is the Seabrandy Foundation. And in the future, we are looking to expand to more philanthropists who donate money. That is where we'll pay our salaries from and you know our, our, our legal costs and marketing costs and stuff like that. The money we generate from the reserve is separate from that. So 100% of the money we generate from the reserve is going to give directly. So these are completely, you could say there's like a Chinese wall between these money streams. And um, we don't have investors, so we only have donors. They are losing all the money that they donate to us. So there is no profit scheme here. And we're going to try to be as transparent in any way possible with like our own attestations, audits, um, you know, and, and just publishing documents publicly by default. Like we, we want to keep as little, little sequence as possible, because interestingly, the fact that we're a crypto project works against us here. Mm -hmm. Like we, we need crypto to do this, but people associate crypto with profit making schemes. And that's difficult. Yes. Yeah. I like to use blockchain as the term we're, we're leveraging blockchain. Mm -hmm. It's not just crypto. Crypto has a speculative connotation. I think blockchain is proving to be a very useful and, and trusted technology. And um, I think that's important to emphasize. No, absolutely. When when we're talking about the fundamentals, for, for sure. Thanks for clarifying that, because I was actually I was going to ask how you guys are taking care of your salaries and taking care of your expenses. And if, if this is a uh, strictly nonprofit project, I keep coming back to, to the trust factor. You know, you're, like you said, crypto does have this sort of speculative aspect. We all know what's going on currently in the markets. What are you doing to, to gain the trust factor? I mean, right now, because I, I still think, you know, in terms of regulated versus unregulated stable coins, and I think people are, do have, are wary of, of new projects that are, that are using this in their models. What exactly are you doing to gain the trust? Yeah, um, we're doing a couple things and we're going to do more things. So what we do right now is as much as possible, like by default, we will publish our internal documentation uh, externally. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's not much. It's, for instance, our draft white paper that has been public from the very start, from the very mm -hmm. draft that um, that that Sid Brandy and, and Jeff made together. And from day one, we invited anyone to read it and even comment on it. Now, obviously, that is not going to give us the trust to uh, uh, to handle uh, uh, millions of, of <laughs> consumer money, but uh, <laughs> it is the first. It's, it's yeah, it's one of the things. Yeah. Yeah, it is the first act to get into that habit. And we will do that as we launch as well. So our example circle, UCC, they're doing a pretty good job in doing daily attestation. So every day they publish, you know, what is in their reserve? How many T-bills do they have? How, many, how much cash? We want to take it one step further and give real-time insight because there's just no reason for us to keep a secret there. So we want to provide real-time insight in literally which bonds we own, where they are at, et cetera, et cetera. And we are looking to get third-party audits as well, such that you don't have to trust just us. And the other thing I think is important is that we are playing by the rules in terms of regulations. So, you know, our goal is not to 
to bend the definition of money or something like that. Like a lot of crypto projects are about that super interesting stuff, but mm-hmm. um, that's that's not what we're doing. We are just trying to get this new form of philanthropy off the ground. So we're just gonna do what regulators say we should do and um, be, be a financial institution in, in that way that uh, that you can uh, you can trust and you can verify. Yeah, and the importance of having a U.S. entity and based in the U.S. is something that is important for that regulatory aspect. Um, so again, we we have no incentive to want to push boundaries here. It's obviously it makes our lives easier if the regulatory landscape is more clear and more flexible. But truly, we just want to build this mechanism of giving, and we think the blockchain implementation of money is something that can really scale. So, however, we can help shape this space and show people that you can build something that is actually having a really big positive impact, I think that's going to be important in terms of helping, you know, work through all the regulatory changes and being a strong voice in that world. So, Sure. Um, Great. Well, this has been, um, thanks for clarifying all my questions. Where are you uh, now in terms of your milestone timeline? Or can you let us maybe in on the, a little bit on the GLOW roadmap? what you guys are working on and when the launch you're planning on is. Definitely. We are almost ready to do what we call the soft launch. Mm. Soft launch is the moment where we are internally ready uh, from a tech perspective and from a legal perspective to have a U.S. business create an account on our platform, send us U.S. dollars and get back Glow dollars. And we're going to test that out with... um, a company of you know people in our own network, so it's you could call it like a private beta to test out the test out the rails and see if it all works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pro- hopefully going to happen in in a couple of weeks. So that's super exciting, and that is the moment where you know we will have for the first time a a non-zero market cap, and then a little bit later is probably the moment where we will be uh, available on decentralized exchanges. Okay. So, you know, if people are familiar with DeFi and crypto wallets and stuff like that, then they will be able to get their hands on Glow. That's cool. For us, the more interesting moment is when we will be listed on a centralized exchange because that is probably how most people are going to buy Glow. So, for example, like my parents will buy some Glow. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't dare to send them to Uniswap. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, mine either. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, you know, opening up a, an account on something like Coinbase, that's probably something they'll be able to do. Right. We're in talk with a lot of centralized exchanges. You know, they have other things on their mind right now. Yeah. So listing yeah. this. The climate's a little tricky right now. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, on the one hand, they really like us because, you know, some of them have been trying to do things that are good for their brand, trying to show that crypto is not just about profit making. And some of them really see Glow as a beautiful example of how to use blockchain for, for social good. So on the one hand, they, they really love that. On the other hand, you know, it's this cute philanthropy coin and, and, and they're now working over hours to do proof of reserves and, um, and stuff like that. So that might, might get a little bit delayed, but hopefully early on, uh, hopefully Q1 um, uh, next year, uh, is that is that moment? Well, that sounds great. This kind of reinforces how we think about building trust to the the soft launch, the private beta. We're gonna make sure all the bugs are worked out. It's very secure. 
like triple check everything. That's what that phase is for. So when we actually say, hey, public, sign up for an account with us, issue some glow, like there's no vulnerabilities. We're doing penetration testing and making sure we're really thorough on that space. But um, just want to emphasize that because I think it's it's part of the trust conversation on the technical side. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been this has been extremely informative. Thanks so much. Just wanted to add, I, I've sort of gone through through the questions that I had prepared. Is there anything that perhaps you want to add that I have not asked you? That you would like our listeners to know or take away? <laughs> Thanks. That's <laughs> that a, a trick question. That's a very, <laughs> very generous um, uh, question. <laughs> well, perhaps, perhaps I would like to end by exciting people a little bit with the potential scale of this thing. So, you know, we're going to try to lift as many people out of extreme poverty as possible. Right now, 650 million people live in extreme poverty. Yeah. Um, so that is a lot. And uh, like I already said, if anyone listening wants to reduce that number, then donate to Give Directly. If you donate $40 a month, they can lift one person out of extreme poverty. Now, if we add the glow dollar, then like I mentioned, let's say $17,000 of glow market cap will lift one person out of poverty. Now, there are a couple of scenarios. So let's say that uh, Tether, uh, like the, the the leadership at Tether listens to this podcast and thinks, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to be a nonprofit. We're going to do exactly what the Glow dollar is going to be doing. Their market cap is 65 billion right now. And if the Glow dollar reaches 65 billion market cap, so the market cap of Tether, that would enable us to lift 3.7 million people out of extreme poverty. And the complete stablecoin market is about $150 billion. If we would get to 100% of that market, we would be able to lift 8.4 million people out of poverty. Oh. So that's the potential impact we can have within the current stablecoin market. Like we can also look at what ha- would happen if we get mainstream, so non-crypto adoption. For instance, people with cash savings, they could convert some of those savings to the glow dollar. The total amount of savings of U.S. citizens is $10.6 trillion. That's a lot of dollars. If 1%, if 1% of the money were converted to GLOW, we would be able to lift 6 million people out of poverty. So that's like the size of a small country. And now if if all of that money would go to GLOW, um, so if, if, if everyone, 100% of U.S. savings deposit would be GLOW, then we would almost already be able to help everyone in extreme poverty. And uh, in general, that is our goal. So completely ending extreme poverty is our goal. That is ambitious, of course, but to solve all extreme poverty, we would need GLOW to be a little over 8% of all the money in the world. That scale, we expect to generate enough money to give all 650 million people that live in extreme poverty a basic income. I mean, there is money to be redistributed. So I don't think that that's not the problem, right? It just has you just have to have the means uh, or the, the good a good a solid framework to do so, and um, you guys definitely have that. And even if you have direct competitors, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't change anything. The more the better. Well, that's that's at least how I would see, I would see it. Yeah, and, and to emphasize too, it's it's a the embedded philanthropy or the passive philanthropy model. I want people to really think about that and how it applies to to money. Money's this huge huge market, and just like. Patagonia has a social cause with its product. That's the clothing market. We're operating in the money market. It's very, very large and could have a huge impact. And if people view money as something that they can attach some type of 
good feeling to and and kind of want to support the movement of using a money that actually has big societal impact is is something I I hope people really grasp and take away from this. Oh, absolutely. You did mention before uh, in terms of where to donate, but what's uh, if you guys can just share what's the best way to follow your work or contact and of course participate. Where should people look you guys up? So if people are on Twitter, then our handle there is Glow Dollar, so G-L-O Dollar. And otherwise, our website is glowdollar.org. And um, there you can sign up for email updates. And if you do, then we will definitely let you know when uh, when you can actually get some Glow Dollars on your uh, on your balance sheet. Awesome. We'll definitely add that information on our show notes. Is there anything else that you want to add? to to wrap this up because i think that this is a good uh this is a good point where we can end this yeah if people are inspired i potentially think that this could be a new form of philanthropy that has that that could lift millions of people out of poverty um i think that you know using the glow dollar could could turn into something like a social movement Mm -hmm. but every social movement does need the first couple of first movers the people who the early adopters, basically. So if anyone's listening to this and sees what we're trying to do here and agrees that extreme poverty is inhumane and should be reduced, then um, you can you know, wait and see where the project uh, ends up. But you can also try to help us out and, um, and try to be one of the early adopters because you know, that decision of yours might inspire others and that could set a, uh, a snowball rolling that... Um, that might lead to something, uh, something very good. So um, that's uh, an appeal to uh, your listeners. If you uh, resonate with this, then uh, yeah, please, please join our community and um, and let's uh, let's get this thing off the ground. Yeah, and if you're if you're building in this space and you're going to utilize stable coins, think about Glow as a potential solution within the products you're building because like ecosystem growth and support is going to be really important. Great, Jeff uh, Jasper. Thanks so much for talking with me today. I think Glow has a solid framework and as with any humanitarian solution, trust and adoption and, and just this mentality of a social movement is are all key in order to gain traction. Especially during challenging marketing conditions we seem to hear on a daily basis. I think it's even more important. And I look forward to hearing about the Glow Dollar launch next year. And I'm happy to have facilitated further the understanding of what Glow is all about. So thanks so much to both for, for being with us today. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again to our guest, as well as thank you everyone for listening. Thank you also to the Baria Music team for providing their music. You can check out their latest album on bariamusic.com. You can find all supporting information on our website, blockchainrecorded.com, and listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Stay healthy and tuned for our next episode.